Hey there. Thanks for checking out this episode of H&M Live. Your support is always greatly appreciated as I'm always striving to provide content that enlightens, entertains, and educates. Look, I've just enabled supporter functionality on the podcast, so click the link in the show description and any support that you provide will be greatly appreciated. Be well. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Good day, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks New Media and Infotainment News. Welcome to the latest edition of Perspectives in Focus. You know, sex, religion, and politics, the topics we've historically been told to shy away from in public discussion, primarily due to the possible friction it could cause. Well, we're going to talk about all three of those today. On this session, we will have an election ballot review discussion. I have a handful of panelists waiting in the wings to discuss various propositions that are currently up for election. Each panelist chose the one that resonated the most with them personally. We're not here today to sway your opinion to vote yes or no on anything. We are here to bring you facts and research information so you can go out and make your own decision on election day. We're streaming live on multiple platforms as usual. So we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, infotainmentnews.net, and LinkedIn. And as always, I'll download the audio from today's session and upload it to our syndicated podcast that's available on all the major services. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. I can guarantee you someone else has the exact same question. I've been asked before why I do this why I record infocasts, interview people, have these at times awkward conversations about sensitive topics ranging from social injustice, politics, democracy, and mental health. I do it because it's necessary. Gone are the days of not having real, honest, heartfelt, challenging conversations with our friends, family, and our coworkers. You know, after my wife and I recently watched The Way I Saw It, the the Pete Sowers documentary, it became crystal clear to me. As an informed and educated citizen of this planet that has the resources available to me to help tell and share real, unbiased, and genuine stories, this is my duty. And with that said, let's go.
thank you all for joining me today. This is going to be an amazing experience. Uh, pretty cool folks here. And I, I'm, 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 I should take a screenshot of this right now. Um, I'm going to have you guys each introduce yourself kind of in the first in the order of the proposition that you're going to review today. And when you make that introduction, just, just tell us where you're, where you're coming from. So let, let's start with, uh, with you, Pastor Isom. Hey, everyone. Good afternoon. David Isom, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen Church in Fairfield, California, a member of the governing board of the Fairfield Sassoon Unified School District. I'm sharing and uh, supporting Prop 15, Schools and Community First Proposition, because I know how much money is going to come into the local communities once this uh, proposition passes. And it's important to me because our schools and communities have been underfunded for far too long. Glad to be here. Thank you, sir. Go over to uh, Mr. Menifee, please. Hi, my name is uh, Clark Menifee. I'm a... Um, um, Senior executive um, in the technology section. Um, that's my background. Um, I'm a father. I live in Roseville. I'm a um, um, you know strong, very much leader in the in the community. And today I will be discussing uh, Proposition 16. Um, and if approved, Proposition 16 will repeal uh, the section of the California Constitution introduced by Proposition uh, 209 and basically bring back. Uh, affirmative action, and I'm um, looking forward to uh, that in-depth discussion as it relates to uh, everything that's going on in uh, in today's environment. So uh, thanks, James, for having me on, and looking forward to uh, the conversations. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Kyle Ballifelt, how are you, sir? Doing great, thanks. So Kyle Bodyfelt, uh, Roseville, California. I manage what what's considered probably the largest and most diverse homeowners association in the greater Sacramento area in Thomas park. We've got about 4,000 homes and we have a really rich, diverse membership that uh, being a part of managing that association gets, allows me to be involved in a lot of discussions um, from so many different uh, viewpoints. Um, I'm talking about proposition 17 which is a very simple and straightforward proposition. Should people that have served their prison term while on parole be allowed to vote? So I'll be looking forward to talking about that one. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Dion Madden. How are you? Hey, James. Yes, my name is Dion Madden. I am a a California native. Um, This is not the first time I have participated in an election um, cycle, but this is the first time I've really taken some time um, to invest in really understanding uh, these different propositions, what's going on in our local communities at a state level, at a national level, and an international level as well. And so um, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about the other propositions that the folks on this call are going to be um, presenting. I um, am going to be sharing a little bit about Proposition 18, and essentially that is um, talking about amending the California Constitution to lower the voting uh, age to 18, or sorry, from 17, from 18 to 17. I look forward to uh, digging into that a little bit. The hey, James. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Eric. I'm here in uh, Los Angeles, and I'm, I'm probably coming from a different standpoint. Uh, 
first a little background. I'm actually working on this uh, huge project here at, at LAX. I manage the documentation that goes through the um, through this $14 billion uh, LAMP pro program. Um, I'm coming from a standpoint, I'm going to be talking about Proposition 21 on uh, should government uh, rent control and um, should the government enact rent control or, or change it or modify it, whatever. Um, and I, I just really need to get more understanding. So I'm hoping I can kind of collab or talk or people can explain from reading it, you know, how this actually works. Um, I'm a newly um, kind of a new uh, business person on, you know, and I'm really looking, well, was looking into uh, also getting into, you know, uh, property uh, ownership. But anyway, um, that's what I'll be talking about, Prop, Prop 21. Thank you, sir. Mr. Gilliland. Hey, everybody. This is Lance Gilliland. I uh, also live and work in the Roseville area, born and raised in California. And uh, career-wise, I've worked in technology for around a quarter century, maybe a little longer. Um, I'm a privacy-minded citizen, so um, today I'll be talking about Prop 24, which aims to strengthen and clarify the California Consumer Privacy Act. So we'll get into the detail around that and maybe some of the benefits and drawbacks of what this legislation is all about. Thank you, sir. Jordan. Hi, I'm Jordan. Um, I'm in Roseville. I'm a college student studying political science. Um, I'm going to talk about Prop 25, which pretty much has to do with bail bonds and um, considering removing bail bonds in a favor of a system that evaluates someone's flight or flight, or flight risk, essentially, or if they're going to commit another crime. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. So, folks, you can definitely tell we've got a incredibly diverse group. Uh, we've got everyone here is from California. That's all right. You know, couldn't get anyone from across the uh, the U.S. To, to to jump on, but Irregardless, right? We've got NorCal, we've got so Southern California, we've got folks that are uh, in the ministry, we've got folks that are in technology, folks that are in, in various organizations. So we come at each of these from a particular different angle, right? And, we, and we, we've got some, some real onus and some ownership in terms of everything that we're going to talk about. So the action item to folks watching is definitely to engage and interact. We're not considering ourselves professionals. We're not going to tell you again, yes or no, in any particular proposition or even any of the major ticket items. But the idea is to be an informed citizen. We've done some research. We just want to sit back and have that dialogue and, and engage with you, uh, our, our citizens out there in, in the state. So, Pastor Eisen, Proposition yes. 15, sir. So, I, I, I should have been a little more clear, but it's going to be all right. Um, uh -oh. I'm going to, I'm going to be looking at prop 15 from a racial equity standpoint, right? Because you, right now, you do now, what you need to do, sir. You do what you need to do, sir. Yeah. This, this, this I, word is really strong now equity. Um, and, and, and a lot of folk don't really understand right now that prop 15 really addresses racial, uh, equity and inequalities. It's going to address one of them, uh, reclaiming $12 billion annually, um, from our schools and local communities. It's going to, obviously impact African-American and communities of color. Uh, the property tax system as a 40-year-old loophole that's been benefiting a fraction of wealthy corporations. I'm not going to say these huge corporations in California. I don't want to do that. But a lot of them benefit um, from, from this tax loophole. Um, corporations avoid paying their fair share. We're, we're, we're forced to 
you know, to, to shoulder more of the burden from years ago, homeowners uh, and commercial properties. You know, you've probably heard it split role. Uh, it used to be 55 to 45 percent today. Homeowners and residential property owners pay uh, three fourths almost 72 percent of the tax burden. Um, low income workers, of course, feel that burden a lot more. Um, disinvestment from education and essential services to prioritize corporate profits. Um, so, so that's 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 that's. I don't know how long I get to go because I could keep going on on Prop 15 because it's it's you so beneficial going. as an educator. Um, we need this money, um, and so I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we uh, I'm, I'm supportive of it. Um, I know that 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 maybe we're supposed to, to remain neutral. But but I believe this is so important to the education community, African American community, poor people, that we really need to uh, to pass Prop 15. Um, the local funds it's it's run locally, so people are saying, you know, it's a it's 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 money that's not uh, general fund money. It's not. It goes to each local community. We believe that that the constituents within those communities know what's best for their own community, uh, and so we we trust them. And, and, and I, yeah, I, I would guess, let me, I would pause you and say the session today is really not to say it doesn't matter where, where you're going, yes or no. And, and if you've got a particular lever that you're going to pull when, when you're okay. behind the curtain, uh, definitely say that if you feel comfortable with that. But again, okay. the, the idea is, is, is just for us to say, I know everyone's got these books again. No one's read them. I mean, again, right. no, no one. Right. No one the the majority of, of society hasn't read them, and they're going to wait till November the third comes around, and they're going to vote party line, right? And 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 that's a problem because it it really is critical to understand what you're voting for because there are ramifications long term, mid term, and short term. So if there's something that's happening in our particular communities that we feel strongly for, which is again why everyone chose a particular proposition to go over. Voice that this is an open forum. This I own. A, I own the platform, so we can say whatever we, we want to say. And um, but but again, the idea is to again be informative, to be respectful, and then to just share those thoughts with, with each other. So if there's some dissenting conversation, debate is always good. Debate is always good, and and just have that research to be able to say why yay versus nay if, if something like that comes up. If that's fair. If that makes sense. So, yeah, Prop 15, so, so there's some arguments. Prop 15 hurts homeowners and renters. It, it, it doesn't. Um, it, it maintains residential property tax. Any property being used for residential purposes is protected under Prop 15. You, you're hearing different from that. In fact, if Prop 15 passes, homeowners will see a tax cut because 15 expands the tax base. Then we've got small business saying it's small businesses cannot afford a tax uh, increase. According to the Department of Industrial Relations, 47% of small businesses are home-based. Again, residential properties are exempt. Um, Prop 15 levels the playing field for many businesses already paying their fair share. Provides a tax break, as a matter of fact, for small businesses up to $500,000 in personal property tax. Pros and cons. I appreciate you, sir. Appreciate you, sir. Um, and I'm tracking and watching any questions, comments, things like that that come into queue. And when those come up, I will definitely bring those on screen. So that's definitely Proposition 15. Thank you very much for that, sir. Clark, talk to us a little bit yeah. about uh, Prop 16. Yeah, yeah. So um, Proposition 16, um, if passes, would bring back affirmative action, um, allowing race, 
uh, ethnicity and gender to be considered in awarding government contracts and uh, deciding admissions to the state's uh, colleges and universities. Um, basically, it's been 24 years since uh, California voters considered whether race, ethnicity, and gender should be considered in awarding government contracts and admission to the state's colleges and universities. Uh, the politics and uh, demographics of the state were far different in 1996 uh, when mm-hmm. such considerations were outlawed by um, with Proposition 209 and an amendment uh, to the uh, the Constitution. So um, the fiscal effect, um, you know, as this ballot measure is only nine words long, um, it would just repeal uh, Proposition 209, allowing the practice often described as affirmative action to again uh, be used in the state. Um, it was added to the ballot by the legislator last month, setting up a discussion about systemic racism and inequities at the same time as a national reckoning um, on these topics. Uh, now, the fiscal effect, uh, Proposition 16 would have no direct fiscal effect on state and local entities because of the measure. The measure would not require any change to current policies or programs. Um, state and local entities could still make any number of decisions about politics and programs that consider uh, race, sex, color, ethnicity, um, or national origin. So obviously there's some um, pros and cons. Um, supporters would say, you know, yes, um, it means equal opportunities for all Californians. Californians, uh, despite living in the most diverse state in the nation, women and people of color currently are still discriminated against. And uh, supporters would also say we're at a historic moment and need to strengthen California by overturning uh, discrimination in all areas. Um, opponents would say um, it's a step backwards, introducing a new form of discrimination to favor politicians' favorites. Um, you know, let's not perpetrate the stereotype that minorities and women can't make it unless they get special uh, preferences. So, um, you know, that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's uh, Proposition uh, 16. Yeah, these are critical topics, and again, if you haven't done your research to, to know what's going on, you're, you are definitely at a disservice to yourself, so thank you for that one. Uh, Mr. Bodyfeld, I understand you got something you want to talk about. Yeah, Proposition 17, like I said, it's fairly straightforward. Um, currently, if someone is released from prison, they've served their time for their crime, Um, While they're on parole, they are still not eligible to vote. What Prop 17 says, should it pass, it would allow parolees to register and vote after they leave state prison instead of waiting until the parole term ends. The real real argument on this one, when you read them, is what's the definition of parole? The, The author of the of the measure stated, says that Parole is for that re-entry into society, get a job, find a place to live, you're paying taxes. So if we think of taxation without representation, then that, that's, you might consider that to be a violation if the person can't vote. They're out there, they, you know, they're having to pay taxes in society. So the people that are against 17, they have a different, de- different definition of parole. They say parole is the continuation of this person's um, sentence as they transition back into society, that they're, it's like a test period and they're not, they don't have all their rights yet because they need to prove while out of prison that they can still be a 
positive, have a positive impact on their community, on society. So again, in a nutshell, it's what is your, what is the definition of parole? Um, you know, I think if we're trying to get people, when someone get, if we consider someone has served a prison sentence, they've, they've done the, they have, um, they have followed through on their, um, what society says they had to do. So when they're on, if they're on parole, um, they are now back in, in integrating with society. So why shouldn't that right to vote also be granted? Um, because a, a more influenced person, a more educated person, a more involved person is likely, in my view, to be someone who's less likely to revert to uh, recidivism, the crime. So, again, the big change. The, and the, the another thing to look at on all of these is following the money, right? Um, there is no money against Prop 17. And I'm not saying that's the only reason you should or should not vote for something, but uh, literally, there's there's no uh, big push against this uh, measure. So, thank you. So I'm a, I'm a, so you're going the right way, Eric, because I was actually going to challenge the panel as well. You know, let's not only have it as a monologue, but you know, if there's discussions to go back and forth about these amongst ourselves. Yep. I would love to have those as well. I, I got a question to feed in after, after your comment there. Um, yeah, you know, I was, I was saying, you know, if, if in my mind, if someone's done their time, and they did their time, then re-entry is that's, it's almost like now yeah, that parole should say, Hey, let's see if you can make good decisions like voting and doing things because now you want to be more productive, I guess, in a sense to me, I feel like that, that's, a, that's a good thing. You know, these guys, if they're coming out, and they're and they're even interested in voting. I don't, I don't say guys. I'm, I apologize <laughs> when people yeah. are coming out. But I think it, it, it is their duty. It is their duty to, to be involved and to they've done their time. They're saying, hey, you know, I've, I've, I've done my time. Now, let me get back into doing the right thing, like voting, uh, you know, being part of the community, because I, I feel like that's really that's really a, a positive step in the right direction. But, you know, I, I think that. I don't know if you're for it or against it, but it, that's, that's probably why there's nothing against. <laughs> there's no money against doing the right thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. well stated. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, go ahead, Clark. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna just add on to what Eric was saying. It's, um, you know, if a person actually, you know, did pay their um, pay their dues, and obviously, you know, when they get out, they're still being taxed, right? They're they're paying their taxes. Uh, right, so they should have, um, you know, the opportunity to to vote. You know, uh, they definitely um, be able to get that right back as part of their rehabilitation. Uh, again, anyone who's paying taxes, I think, should have the right to vote. If you know, if you take that right away, then don't tax them. Right. <laughs> right. So that's that's just that's my two cents on that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love that uh, taxation without representation. That was, yeah. That was yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was on fire. Yeah. yeah. Question here from from Jeff Stone about you know besides parolees who benefits from Prop Seventeen and, and, and Kyle I guess since you you know we're, we're chartered with this in particular do you have any any insight on, on that? There's there's nothing listed in what I read. I mean it's it, like I said it's a very there's no behind the scenes oh it's gonna it's gonna help Democrats <laughs> win elections if we get that's not it that's not part of this this is just all about civil rights and allowing people to vote who've already served their time. Yeah. 
there's no hidden agenda that I can see. I'll put it that way. We do have a question here, and I want to backpedal just a little bit in regards to Proposition 15 and, and pass eyes. I'm not sure if you have a comment or, or, or something you'd like to say in regards to this. Yeah, well, uh, it, it exempts commercial properties that are worth less than $3 million. 92% of the new revenue comes from the top 10% of commercial properties. Um, it provides a tax break for small businesses up to $500,000 in personal property taxes. Um, provides phase in time that will allow businesses time to adjust. Commercial properties with the majority of small business tenants have the longest phase in, a lean date of 25 26. So, and, and as a matter of fact, a new study from Beacon Economics shows that Prop 15 will not impact business rents, that property taxes are not a major factor in, re- in rental rates, and a vast majority of small businesses will see no negative impact from Prop 15. And that's from Beacon Economics. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you that. Proposition 18, Dion. Yes, Proposition 18. Um, so as mentioned before, right, and, and spending a little bit more time than I have in the past and really understanding all of this. And uh, again, I would I would be considered a millennial. So, um, you know, it, it's really interesting to see a proposition that is looking to amend the Constitution to have um, 17 year olds, right? We think of 18 as adults, 17 is uh, not. Um, I've, I think we should celebrate the fact that kids want to vote. Um, so uh, let's just read this right. So amend California Constitution to uh, permit 17 year old to vote in primary and special elections um, if they will turn 18 by the next election and be otherwise eligible to vote. Kyle mentioned something about uh, following the money. And first glance, when I saw this, I thought it's probably one of the less controversial (laughs) propositions and uh, being my first time on one of these panels, I thought it was a safe safe one for me to pick up on. Um, But what I'm finding is that all of them kind of have some type of financial impact. And this one actually does. Um, so in voting yes for this, it would actually increase the statewide county costs, likely between uh, several hundreds of thousands of dollars and one million every two years. It's an increased one time cost to the state of a hundred of uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, I probably could do a lot more research and um, better understanding where that money is actually going. And maybe some folks on this call um, are aware of where that those funds go. Um, But essentially, yes means that a 17-year-old who will be 18 by next election may vote in a primary and special election proceeding. So for us in California, right, the the governor's election coming up in two years, um, they will be able to vote then. No simply just means that they won't be able to vote in any election if they are under the age of 18. Um, So... You know, some of the arguments that are being made right now in the pros are that allowing a 17-year-old to vote is giving a first-time voter to participate in a full election cycle um, and the need to boast, uh, or sorry, boost um, 
use civic engagement in our elections by creating a lifelong participant in most fundamental process of our democracy. And we go back into saying if we get you know more included into this this process, maybe um, it's something that they focus on outside of things maybe that are not as serving to them. So, you know, my thoughts here is again, we need to celebrate the fact that that younger individuals want to, to um, want to have their voices being heard. Um, I don't know about you guys. I started working when I was 14 years old. And so um, taxation without representation, I don't even think that that was something that I really thought of. Um, But I was out there working and we all have our own, you know, personal backgrounds and and the reasons why we started working at a young age. Um, But it is definitely something to consider, right? If they're out there and they're contributing to society and they're paying taxes, I definitely think it is uh, something that we should be considering. Um, but something, you know, deeper to keep in mind, um, and this will vary between any age. I don't know that we should even look at 17. There's plenty of 37-year-olds that I look at and have conversations with where I want to be like, are you, <laughs> are you doing your due diligence? Do you really understand what this is? Like, please tell me you do. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, you know, we live in a free country, thank God. But, um, you know, it's almost like we have to check that list off. Like, have you really, really done your background and understanding what all this means for a bigger picture? Right. And so, you know, life experiences come in with that um, influences. Where are they spending their time? We see a lot of 17 year olds right now. Maybe they're spending a lot of time on TikTok and, you know, they have different celebrity influences and different news medias and, um, you know, and that could be good or maybe not um, very positive, but we just have to keep, those things in mind, I think. Um, and, you know, what trends are they following versus the historical data? Um, I think that's something we should consider. And then I mentioned, you know, I think prior to jumping on here, um, looking at local politics versus state politics versus national and international politics. At a younger age, our world is so small that I think we focus on what's right in front of us. And what we're finding or what I'm finding even is that the members or the folks that we elect in, into office, even at a local level, have influence, um, have the ability to influence all the way up to the top, right? And so it's just having being able to have those conversations and understanding where these younger voters are going to be coming from is, is important. But when they look at the cons, right, they, they start to talk about, um, you know, science and legal consistency, which makes sense to me as well. Um, that, you know, a lot of laws prohibit younger teens from smoking, from drinking, from tanning. Um, and the research that they are pulling that from is saying that essentially, you know, that certain area of their brains is not fully developed for them to go out and make these rational decisions. Now, I would honestly argue that maybe some adults don't have that area of their brain fully compromised in some way that they can't really make those um, decisions either. Um, but you know, it is, we just kind of figure out how we get there and, you know, go from there. But, uh, um, you know, again, it's one, I have talked to so many younger individuals and they're very intelligent and they know what's going on. And so it's hard for me to have this kind of like ageism conversation, um, which is, is very real. Right. Um, so, uh, 
No, I, I kind of go back and forth on this. I think of myself as a 17 year old, as an 18 year old, as a 25 year old, as a 30 year old. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a right, it's a privilege, it's an honor that we get to go out and vote and have our voices heard. Um, but I think and really hope that people understand how big of an honor and how big of a privilege that is and really understand, um, you know, what their, what their votes are saying and doing for, for our world, essentially. So. It's crazy. I've got, I've got opinions and and thoughts on the other proposition as well, but, but this one I'll chime in and and let the other folks as well. But I got two kids, one under 18, and he's aware, right? There, there's, some, there's, there's something different that, that's happening at, within the last two, three, four, however many years. Yeah, they, they've got those devices in front of them, but they are dialed in. They are connected. Some of it good, some of it bad. But the youngsters, don't, don't sleep on the kids right now yeah. because they, they will be the next ones who, who obviously take over after we're all in our rocking chairs. But... Uh, in terms of being aware of what's going on, knowing the difference between right and wrong, and wanting to wanting to voice that opinion, yeah. uh, we're definitely seeing that coming up now with the youth. So you know, you know Jordan's eighteen, son is sixteen. He he's ready. He he could vote because because again, he's a, he sees what's going on out, out 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 in the world, irregardless of of what the topic is. Right? If it's if it's gun reform, if it's if it's police brutality, if it's Cleaning the forest in California, you know, he's affected by all of that. Everything I just said, he's a, he's somehow affected by all, and he's got a informed uh, opinion, an informed perception of all of that. So I, I think it is overall a good thing to have the age probably looked at maturity. Look, twenty one to drink. Eh, look, I. Whatever. Are you mature at twenty one? Look, look. Me and me and Eric talk about some of the things we were doing at twenty one, and we we weren't ready to do anything at, at twenty one. But uh, it's, it's not that kind of show. But I, I agree with you on that. Anybody have any anything they want to add? I do. I like to add something. You know, uh, one we can go back to that taxation without representation every time because my son is seventeen. Or you know, my oh my kids are working. I, I think I still have one more sixteen uh, year old, but. Um, all the, all my other three kids are, you know, they're older. You know, my son is 17. He's working. They're taxing him. My thing is if they're taxing him, he should have the right to voice his opinion or don't tax them because they're yeah. not this check. I say, did they tax you? Yeah. Damn, yeah. They took a lot of tax. That's it. That's what happened. I think that's a great suggestion, right? If they're not going to be able to vote, maybe that is the case where we, we have some, you know, some options out there that we, they mm-hmm. don't, they're not taxed, you know, just kind of doing a bit of a brain dump while I was going through this, you know, maybe there is some type of voting that they can be, or that they can participate in, but maybe it is not essentially accounted for, but it is, it's not just regarded, right? So in the next election, like they are the next generation and their voices need to be heard. And so for, you know, the coming years, it's like, we need to make sure that these things are being addressed because that's what's important to them. And so when they are available to vote, it's already kind of being, it's in the works, right? Um, so I don't know what we call, like an, I don't know what we call that, a 
prelim- preliminary voting, but they still keep that data, right? This right. is what's important to this upcoming generation that is going to be voting. And we really need to make sure that these things are being, um, you know, worked into our, our conversations and, and just being addressed and, and something yeah. that's being taken yeah. care of. They make that the new electoral college. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a comment on this one too that I, I thought that some of the argument against what I, what I read were almost insulting. One of them said that they'll basically said they'll be brainwashed by high school teachers, and I thought you're really putting that in your argument. These yeah. kids don't have families that they're involved in too, and and you're just going to say that the school system is going to brainwash the kids so they vote on a measure that benefits. An increased tax or whatever it is. So I thought the argument against just look horrible when you read them in my, in my opinion. I, I, I like, I, yeah, that's that. So, so children. So what's interesting is, is some elected officials that have been serving for a particular amount of time in their community now have the children and generations voting for them. I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday and he has three classes of high school students voting for him now. He worked within the schools. And so mm. these children know, as James said, these, these children know exactly what's going on. They're not slow. And and, and while I and, and I agree, Jennifer, so 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 the data piece is one thing, but I think that they should be able to exercise their vote not only so so we know what they're thinking down the line. I believe that if they are paying their taxes, that they need to be able to vote. Or there needs to be proposition uh I can't vote right now, uh, so I can't pay taxes right now. So we're getting a new, a new prop. Well, we, we have Jordan, right? Jordan, you're 18. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's great to hear from the, the younger community. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's a great idea. Um, a lot of the teenagers I know are way more passionate about things they can't even vote about than the adults I know. Like, they actually care. They want to do something, but they can't mm-hmm. because they're not 18 in time. Um, so I really do think this is a great idea. I know a lot of people who would be very thankful for this opportunity because they're the ones that are really being affected by a lot of this stuff. But the adults who can go right. aren't making the right decisions. I mean, the weirdest thing is everyone's going to be, even when you're an adult, you're still going to have influences that make you sway one way. Children, I mean, families have voted typically kind of the same, the same pattern. Like my family, Oh, you're going to vote Democrat. You're going to, you know, they're, or, or Republican or whatever, you know, they tend to do that anyway. So mm-hmm. what's the difference? Oh, am I mm-hmm. muted? No, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, you're going to have some type of influence anyway. So whether you make the right vote or not, if you vote and you say, Oh man, I made the wrong decision. You, you know, you get to make that up in the next vote, but it's a, it's a learning experience. It's like, it's like life, you know, we're, we're, you know, we, we make mistakes and then we hopefully, you know, learn from that. That's what this, that's what the voting is going to be. You know, we, we vote, even grownups have voted for people that, you know, voted some people. They didn't, some won, some didn't. The ones that won are like, Oh damn, you know, what happened? But that's just life. And I don't know why they don't see it that way or, or this is, Okay, I'll, I'll leave it at this because I'll, I'll keep going forever. But this is like law. You know you know how they build up one side? Every side wants to build up one side for their case. Uh, you know, we're going to only sequester these people. We won't ask IT because I don't know about you guys, but I've never got to serve on a, on a court. Every time I go to the, those things, they say, if you tell, if you tell them you're IT, you're, 
not you're not serving on the court. Good you're, to know. Yeah, yeah well, 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 let's write that down. I'm gonna write that okay, down. Okay, that one. I know. <laughs> but, you know it, but it, it, would be, it would be great in my mind. I want to experience that. You know, yeah. hopefully nothing yeah. really yeah. devastating, but. Uh-huh. But I, I want to be a, a so every time maybe it's just because I want it that I don't get it. But um, I, I tell you, it, it, to me, I feel like when you're building up one side, it makes it so that it's not fair because now you're yeah. you know. And, and again, we, we could talk about other problems. So I feel like if you if you want it bad enough, you, you, you'll work towards getting it. You'll work towards you know you you'll make the right decisions or or not. But it's your choice to be able to make that decision. Um, and I, if, when you take that away, I feel like okay, now you have no rights. So, well, I will, I'll just say one more thing on this because I could go into it a lot too. But there's a there's a path to the ballot, just like any of the propositions, and how does this actually make it to the official ballot, right? And for this one in particular, or I think any of them, they need two thirds vote to pass to actually make it to the ballot. And they've done voting on this already in the Senate and the Assembly, and both voted yes. There's a majority of yes. It also breaks the, the data does show that I break it up into, you know, separate parties and who voted for and who wow. voted against it. And so that's just stuff that I think is very interesting. Wow. And obviously, you know, there's a path always we know, right? There's a path to money, there's certain things that are being pushed one way or another. To your point, um, Eric, I think you said, you know, one's gonna go on one side more than the other. Um, but I, I think this one for not being such a controversial one, it started a, a nice conversation. You sure have. You know, you, you picked off a <laughs> whole lot of conversation there, Dave. It brings in a whole new group of voters, right? So um, okay. just something for us to keep in mind. James, I don't want to go too far. I'm, I'm looking for some education on this one. On 16, let's see, I'm sorry, seven, bear with me real quick. But. 16, 17, and 18 all were passed in legislature. Mm-hmm. Why are we voting on them? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, this one was 81% approved. Yep. I'm just saying, didn't yeah. we vote for the people to do legislation? Do, I guess my question is, do, do we know when? Because there's all sorts of bills that get passed that we don't vote on mm-hmm. that are then become law. So why, why are we revisiting why are this after a certain different? amount of time? And I don't have the answer. I don't know that answer. I'm just throwing the question out. Maybe our poli-sci major has the answer to that one. But I think it's a great question because there's a lot of laws that have been passed over the past several months. Um, this being one of them, actually, Proposition 18, that had has gone through several different voting cycles and it's still on the ballot. But I think it needs maybe one more. Um, so does it have that have anything to do with their amending the constitution? That might be it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm reading something here. In California, two-thirds vote is needed in each chamber of the legislature to refu- refer a constitutional amendment to the ballot for vote. That makes sense. That's yeah. probably it. So, yeah. 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 Actually, looking at the ones that you mentioned, it does, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the propositions now, and those say uh, – Legislative constitutional amendment, legislative constitutional amendments. That is the prereq on, on the one that you mentioned. Makes sense. Right, cool. Thanks, Lance. Sure. I just. <laughs> did, you have, did you have a comment? <laughs> uh, go, to, go to Cal Matters election guide. That that really is very telling. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
I get that. Actually, I'm going to pull that up and I'm going to pull all the propositions up actually in, in, in a few minutes here. That, I, I love that. Look at that. You, you've got this you know, graph is, is pretty telling. Hmm. And that's all the propositions and the different measures dependent on wherever you are, are located. And, and, and who's supporting them. And mm-hmm. that's okay. what's really, really interesting. Right. Right. Okay. Say what, as uh, we move to the next one, I'll do some research and pull up that link. But uh, Mr. Burks, mm. the floor is yours, sir. Talk to us a little bit about Prop 21. I actually want to do a different prop, but I'm going to I'll, I'll hey, you gonna switch it up. You're going to switch no, it up. No, I'm, yeah, I'm good. No, uh, so here, here's a confusing one for me. Uh, prop 21 expands local government's authority to enact rent control on residential property initiative statute, right? And what it, it's going to do is allow local governments to establish rent control on residential properties over 15 years old. So I think the date was is like February uh, 15, 1995, uh, that they can they can enact rent control on properties uh, that are not older than that. Now they're, they're going to push it back further, right? That's how I read it. Um, uh, but anyway, here, here's what is So the pro for it is Prop 21 is is the change needed to tackle homelessness. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how is this going to tackle homelessness? I, I don't get it. Uh, uh, a yes vote on Proposition 21 is a vote to keep families in their homes, a strong coalition of elected leaders, uh, affordable housing providers and seniors and veterans. And I, I, to me, I feel like it's I, I don't understand how it's going to help the homeless. But then again, I probably didn't go as deep into it. Can you hear me? Yeah, I thought yes. everything got quiet. <laughs> we're, we're listening attentively to you, sir. <laughs> okay. Okay. And some of the, the uh, so uh, against it uh, is uh, Prop 21 will make California housing crisis worse. Prop 21 undermines the strongest statewide rent control law in the nation. Um, cost jobs, reduce uh, home values and stop new houses from being built. And I can, I, I can see that. Um, I never really held property. So I went up, up in Sacramento. I, I flipped a couple of properties up there. Um, I've, I've never seen it as holding onto properties. And as you know, time further goes, you're like, oh, well, I, could, I should have kept some of those properties. Um, and now thinking about doing that, if they're going to start throwing rent controls on there, I, I don't know why I would I would even want to. I guess, um, I don't know. Can anybody explain this to me? I, I know I said it was for me to read into it, but. The only reason think- why, the, the reason why they're talking about it, it'll, it'll help with homelessness is because right now, is, and, and I'm not saying I'm for or against it, is, where, is right now, uh, Rick keeps going up. I'll just give you one example. My son and, 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 and grandchildren lived here, um, and every year they raised the rent, um, and it was and they raised it significantly, so much so that we had to send them to Missouri, where they have a larger place, and they're paying half, literally, they're paying half the rent in a nicer, larger unit. Now, again, the reason I believe that they're saying this will help uh, confront homelessness is because when you can't pay your rent, uh, you will get evicted and you will be homeless. I don't know how strong an argument it is, but I know from some of the conversations I've had, that's what that part of it is. Um, okay, so I, I guess. So, so, that, so Evie, yeah, I, I know where you're going, right? Because this hits you. I mean, this is this is you, right? I mean, this, this yeah. affects you directly. So, come if this passes, come January, either your your rent goes up a thousand dollars or or only goes up twenty dollars, especially but, but my, my in Southern is, California. Isn't but isn't that the purpose? I, if I buy a property, I want yeah. the value of that property to go up. So, I want to sure. make money on that property. I, I'm not buying it so I can say, you know, keep the status quo and we just keep going. I'm buying that property because 
the location, right? You're buying for location. So are, are people being homeless because they're looking, oh, I want to live by the beach. So now all my rent's going up. I mean, I, I don't know. To me, I'm going to live where I can afford. And I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm saying I'm going to, you know, I try to get a job and live. It's, this is one that's torn. I'm torn. I get it. Rent does go up. Rent, you know, rent goes up. But a lot of times I'll buy a property. I'll still rent because I want my property just to make money for me. I don't want because now I'm I'm no longer it's 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 not a, an asset to me if I'm spending money on it, right? So I'm going to keep renting. So I'm going to buy a property that's going to make money for me, and that's just how it goes. My I want the value to go up. Therefore, but if I'm if I'm throwing that money away, I don't know. I guess the rent control in my mind has to be. You know where where it works for both. So I'm still my property still value is still going up, and I'm able to you know make more money on that property. Or is it just a, oh let me just have somebody in there and just pay the mortgage off? But if, I mean I don't know. So, so I get so, it. Yeah, so, both, some people own own to make money. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. So what what are your what are your thoughts when when you see this question right here? Right, where is it is it the government over overreaching? Right. How, so how does it affect you again being? directly involved in this particular situation. You're actually involved on both sides still, right? Yeah. Again, from, so hold on. I didn't, I didn't even think about that, right? I'm just thinking about the fact. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, get, give us your perspective from, from, from both sides because you, you're well, affected for, for very me, intimately about this. I mean, you know, again, like I said, I'm, I'm, I might be as for, more fortunate than, than most, but I'm, I'm still even where I'm – even I'll know my financial status and I'll live within my means. I'm not going to – you know, before we used to try to live lavish. Hey, let's buy this nice car. You remember back in the day. But now I live within my means. You know, I'll save for the things that I want. I will, you know, uh, I'll live where my family and I can actually afford uh, and rent goes up. And I and I accommodate for that. So I'll say, hey, you know, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, instead of doing in my mind, instead of doing this Prop 21, let's teach people how to manage money better. Because right out of school, you know, people don't know how to manage money. I'm going to tell you right now, right out of school, I was, a, you know, my parents didn't know. They couldn't teach me. I had to learn this. So I think if there was more education on managing money, uh, you know, and again, I don't know everyone's situation. And I know some things happen, but I know that a lot of people that I knew growing up and living with, we all live with outside of our means because we were trying to ball out of control. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know what that term is. But um. I, I, I think you, now you, call, you calling them old or you, or you calling someone? No, too I think just no. like you now <laughs> we're teaching our kids a different way. I'm teaching my kids about money early. I'm teaching my kids yeah. about credit early. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah. just like you. I know you're teaching Jordan. Yeah. It's so I want to cry when I see Jordan because I'm like, she's talking like an adult. I'm not saying you're not an adult. I'm just saying I've seen you when you're this small anyway. <laughs> but um, it's, it, it's, it, you know, I, I think more education, you know, I think Prop 21 is an overreach. I think, to me, in my mind, I think it's an overreach thinking it's going to it's going to cure everything. It's not. We have to educate our people about how how money works. We have to educate people on you know it's more about education. In my mind, again, that's that's my opinion. Uh, I don't see a case strong enough in my mind for me to vote yes on this. Gotcha. And so let me bring this up because that that's very telling. Right, because again, we're having those informed conversations, and someone will read this and say, "Should I vote yes or versus versus vote no?" Proposition dependent on how they're written and who they're written for. A yes may make you think you're voting in one in an opposite direction, 180 degrees yep. of what really you're thinking. 
So just because they say it's going to cure homelessness. Oh yeah, that's, that's good. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So, so I think that, that's not that's something that should not be taken for granted. You know, the verbiage that's used when when writing these bills, writing these propositions, these measures, and things like that. The the onus is on us as that informed citizen to really read those and be aware of that information that's provided to us because. You may think you're voting for lower lunch money at the school, but in turn, you, you didn't mess around and you didn't add it ten dollars to <laughs> to, in the back, to, yeah. to the price of a, to, of a of a hamburger at school. So yeah. read that information, be aware of it, have these types of conversation. Hopefully, this is a catalyst for folks who haven't voted yet or are still looking towards uh, November third in terms of how they're going to cast that vote to have conversations with mm-hmm. folks around them. And if, if you don't have anybody around you, uh, there were some very key um, resources that were just brought up uh, amongst this that I definitely want folks to take a look at. So one that I was given just now, Ballotopia, uh, was yep. mentioned, is is a very good web location to, to go take a look at. So I, I challenge folks to go take a look at that. And then the one that you brought up, Pastor, which uh, I found interesting as well, was Cal Matters. Cal Matters has everything in terms of what you need, reviews of all the propositions, reviews of uh, everything that's on, on a particular ballot. And when you got videos, look, I, I can be lazy sometimes. So if there's a video talking to me about, I need the cliff notes. These are these are the cliff notes right here. Right? If, if you can make it very easy for me to get the, the whys and the why nots, this is it. So I will definitely include these links uh, after the show, but I wanted to definitely put those up. Thank you, Mr. Birch. Appreciate it. Did you have anything else, sir, that you wanted to, to talk about, about, about uh, Prop 21? Uh, no. Thank you, sir. Lance Gillen. What? Time to talk? You, have to, you now have to talk to us a little bit about Proposition 24, sir. All right. So um, as far as my background, I, I wore a where's – my, where's my sleeve here? So you can see here. There EFF, it is. There it is. Um, on purpose, I wore that. So I, as I mentioned in the intros, I'm into um, – consumer privacy. But I wanted to, uh, hopefully online, everybody can still see the audience here, but I wanted to ask you guys something. Who here reads the fine print when you sign up for an online service? Just maybe raise your hand if you if you do that on a regular basis. <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, I learned from you. I learned from you. So, yeah. so I We've had this conversation people, 20 years ago. Most people do not. Um, all right, so people are signing up for social media. They're signing up for all kinds of services. I probably have a thousand passwords. We've talked about you know how to manage that on a on a different show, but um, there's a lot of of personal data that's available um, in in out in the space for you. If you do anything online, even if you don't do anything online, if you have a phone or shop or buy a new car, like there's so many connections to your private personal data that puts your data out in the in the universe and you don't always know what's happening. So California has some of the strongest um, laws in place now with the California Consumer uh, Privacy Act that was a couple years ago. It's really just started to come into play. I think some enforcement, I, I don't know when exactly it was uh, to be enforced. I believe it was the beginning of this year, but um, you know, ca- companies are, are moving along in their um, their compliance with the law. Uh, this proposition uh, sort of strengthens, if you will, some of the provisions in the original legislation. 
So I'm going to read just a couple things real quick. So a yes vote supports the initiative to expand the consumer data privacy laws. Um, it also establishes a privacy protection agency. So there's a new agency being created by, uh, by this proposition. And then obviously a no vote says, you know, that all that stuff's not going to happen. So some of the key points on this is, um, you know, the, it was, companies shouldn't share a consumer's personal information if the re customer uh, consumer requests that they don't share it. Um, provides consumers with an opt-out for um, having their sensitive uh, personal information um, to be used for advertising and that sort of, sort of things. Um, it makes companies have to obtain permission before collecting data uh, for consumers that are younger than 16 and also for kids between 13 and 16 to get a parent's permission to get the kids' data. And then um, also companies are supposed to provide, as a result of this, uh, way for consumers to correct any information. So all that sounds pretty good. Going back to my first point, though, um, some of the things, you know, you know, read a lot about the EFF, I give them money. You know. <laughs> so um, I believe in their, their mission. Um, one of the things it doesn't do uh, is it doesn't give you, uh, doesn't force companies to make you opt in to sharing your uh, personal data. So the default is you're going to share your data. And a lot of people don't read the terms. They don't understand what it is they're sharing. So by default, as soon as you sign up, you're giving away your data. And like the EFF, and I think the, the default position should be I need to opt in to sort of freely provide my data out there. Um, it it also seems to allow for businesses, there's some, some vagueness in it. And by the way, it's 53 pages long, so it reads like a privacy statement that no one wants to read. What's um, EFF? Electronic Frontier Foundation. Thank Sorry, you. I should have said that up front. Thank you. Um, so they're a nonprofit private organization. There's a, I can send James the link for the show notes as well, EFF.org, if anybody's writing with their pencil right now. But... Um, so uh, let's see. So there's also some provisions in there that seem to allow for companies to sort of redefine what they think is data that they need to retain in order for them to protect against any sort of security incidents. But it's sort of broad and maybe give some loopholes on, on, on keeping data that maybe you've asked for them to delete. Um, the CCPA allows uh, for consumers to say, I want you to delete my data. In this proposition, sort of backs away from that a little bit and tells that, you know, companies can kind of refuse to do that. And then um, let's see. The one other thing that consumers can't do in either case is sue. Like if, if I, if someone doesn't comply with this, I as a consumer don't have any right to sort of self-enforce by going after a company. Now, depending on how people feel about uh, over litigation and, and lawsuits and, uh, and that sort of thing, you know, you may or may not like that or, or don't like it, but the agency that would be created uh, would be the one enforcing the, these laws. So, so it's, uh, it, like I said, it kind of strengthens the existing uh, legislation and adds some more consumer protectives, protections, but maybe doesn't go far enough. So, let me, let me ask about this, because uh, as, as you were re reading about that, and I have questions, and, and maybe Clark and Kyle, and maybe you too, Eric, because uh, you're, you're business owners and you're, you're involved with, with the community from various perspectives, right? Does this affect you as well, right, in terms of how you engage with folks from a, you know insurance perspective, um, set, setting up policies and things like that? Is, is this advantageous to you and your particular business, or, or, or does this 
that does hinder, right? You you being effective in, in, in what you're doing. Yeah. My take on it is, I mean, when you look at California laws now, they have, you know, we're considered to have the, the strongest set of privacy rules in the country. And, you know, it seems like Proposition 24 aims to expand those protections. Um, I have to dig in more more to it, but, you know, just from that statement along, uh, alone, you know, if it expands what's already a strong, um, the strongest set of privacy rules, I don't necessarily see the downside, but, you know, uh, you know, as, uh, as you guys mentioned, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, the devil's in the details, right? Having to look, um, at the, at the cons as well. Yeah. It strengthens something that's already strong, but, you know, I'd have to look at more into the details to see why they would, you know, why, why do you, why that change, you know, why to make it even stronger? Like what's, what's missing in, um, in the laws today or in that uh, prop today. Because how are they? How how are they even? Who's monitoring if they're selling your data or not? I mean, if your data is out there, or you know, you're you're having to do it out there, uh, put it out there. Because okay, so okay, some of the some of the measures that they use to uh, secure data, uh, they have like um, I don't know why I can't think today. DocuSign, DocuSign, <laughs> DocuSign. I mean, when you actually go and I mean. I mean, when you try to buy something online, you're, you're, you're offering your cars, you're offering your this, and, it, and, it, and it, say you want to secure it, and you're going through like DocuSign because you're signing documents, like you know, because uh, everything you do online now, right? So you're you're selling, you're buying a house, you're in there. They go to DocuSign, you get all these documents, you're, you're, you're click 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 click, and you get, get the signature page. You're doing a digital signature. Who's who's managing where you're taking that that information and selling it? I'm telling you because I bought a car. I just got a car for my son, right? Next thing you know, I'm getting. Oh, I don't know if they're just monitoring my 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 cookies and and th- my my browser cache, but I've been getting calls to my text advertising text to my phone ever since that happened. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck? Wow. And I, I specifically say don't share my data. And I know they said they're going to share some some data with some, uh, you know, when you when you go apply for the car. But yeah, now I'm getting advertisements. So who's monitoring if you're if they're sharing it or not? Yeah. So I think so taking a step back from how I feel about privacy and thinking about owning a small business or setting up a website to, I don't know, have a blog or whatever. Maybe you collect some user registrations. I, I find it interesting because oftentimes you'll need to use several third parties in order to facilitate setting that up, right? I'm not going to set up my maybe my own servers. Maybe I use WordPress and maybe Amazon Web Services. And as a small business person, I think it would be tough sometimes to know every time what's happening with that data, right? right? Who's controlling that? Who's liable for anything that maybe, maybe Amazon makes a mistake, you know, offense mm-hmm. to Amazon, but just as, a, as an illustration, that's where things get t- kind of tricky for me. Like, okay, wait, I'm trying to save money by using third parties. They're hosting this data. If they share that data, I guess that's on me according to this, but that's, that's where like the expense of it and trying to keep track of where everything's going. I mean, I guess as a business owner, you're responsible for that, but it does get to be very time consuming and it reduces the ability to maybe use some of the third parties. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that can go into a whole lot of different tangents as well. Right. Because like I, I have conversations on a daily basis and Dion can attest to this, right. You start talking about having, enterprise data online and from a privacy perspective, let's say you lose that data, right? Uh, So there's been a couple of situations recently that are well known. So us here in Northern California, we'll say, I'll say Cash Creek Casino 
and Barnes and Noble got hit with cyber attacks. Right. So so this type of thing can bring up a whole nother conversation from a privacy perspective. And someone's out there that's hacked into your information mm-hmm. and charging a ransom for the fact that you've lost your, your, your data and your information and trying to get that back. Who's at fault? Who's responsible? Where do you have any repercussions into? Right. Can can you ask Barnes and Nobles for money back because they lost your data because some hacker across the ocean <laughs> stole their information? Don't know. Yeah, I, but, I think but, I think this situation is a little bit different. So this would be like right. sort of semi pseudo legit business purposes, where they maybe sold off your data, or they were working with a third party to process the data, and that third party then took that data mm-hmm. and sold it, not nefariously necessarily, but because they thought they could do that with your data, mm-hmm. not necessarily a cyber attack. Because I think there's provisions to to, to sort of defend against that, and I. I not an expert on the CCPA, but I, I believe there's something in there about that. But this would be more like just, you know, I use a third party to service the data and they yeah. do something else with it, unbeknownst to me. Yeah. Um, who's liable? I don't know. That, that's what I, 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 Yeah, I, I will say this to everyone, and, and it's kind of in the same line. If you have Netflix, watch The Social Dilemma, because that talks about not, not, just, not just about the dopamine hit that everyone gets when they get those notifications. Uh, and, and that's real. Or, I mean, I mean, that, that's a conscious effort and thought when TikTok and what are they, Joe? The, the Snapchats of the world and the face, you know, when, when all of those services are being utilized, there's a, there's a, there's a real concentrated focused dopamine hit for when you get those notifications and likes and, and things of like that. And then yet still you, you search something on Google and next thing you know, in your Instagram feed or your Facebook profile feed, you start seeing advertisements for that information. Did you authorize that? Kind of, yeah, you did, right? The, the end user license agreement, the EULA that no one yeah. reads, except probably me and Lance, um, says that you allow these companies to use that information for those types of advertising purposes. But bringing it full circle, I, I think folks, again, need to be cognizant in terms of what they're signing up for. So please. Start, start reading those those thick manuals. Skim over, look for the cliff notes or whatever, but understanding what you're signing for. Nothing's for free. How about they make cliff notes? You know, put cliff notes in it because who wants to read that 29,000 page jargon just to get down to, oh, we're going to sell your data. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah. they have like a summary at the, at the yeah, beginning. Right at the top. Here's we are part. going to sell your yeah. data. <laughs> well, I, I, I will I will say this, and then we'll move to the next one. But again, nothing's for free. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't pay dollars for a Facebook and Instagram or Snapchat and all those. But what you don't pay for is that recurring uh, barrage of advertising and spam in your email because of items which uh, Lance was just talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah. Proposition 25. Jordan, what you got? All right. So Prop 25 pretty much is trying to replace like money bail systems. Um, So they want to essentially eliminate it so that there's a new system that's based on your flight risk or um, the possibility that you'll commit a crime if you're released from prison. Um, So there are a lot of people who are for and a lot of people who are against. It's kind of a tricky situation because it's like a what's the worst of two evils kind of thing. Um, from what I've seen, more people tend to be for it just because it helps to fix a lot of problems we have, but it does create more. Um, so 
a yes vote would replace the current system. Um, so a lot of the pros are that like you decrease the time that people spend in jail, especially innocent people who can't afford to pay bail. Um, this does decrease a lot of taxpayer money. I think I read somewhere that we or that taxpayers spend like $5,000 a day uh, or 5 million. I don't know, a lot of money a day just to have people in prison who don't need to be there because they can't afford to pay their bail. Um, bail is unfair to a lot of um, economically disadvantaged communities and people. So they have no choice but to be in jail. And this creates a permanent record that causes a lot more problems down the road because they can't get jobs. They can't um, apply for loans. They can't get housing. Things like that tend to create more problems that are unnecessary. Um, but there are still a lot of cons. So like the NAACP says that it's going to create a lot more like um, racial motivated judgment, even though the new system is like a computer based system, the way that it's like designed tends to have a lot more problems with racial bias. So a lot of people are going to be like unfairly affected by it. Um, and it removes the constitutional right to choose if you want to use bail as a way to kind of avoid going to jail, or if you want to go to a judge, this causes there to be one option. And that one option is the computer and its decision is final. There's no other way out once that decision is made. So a lot of people are very unhappy with this. Um, and a lot of people are worried that it's going to cost us more money because this whole new system is going to take years to implement. So there's going to need to be more organizations, um, more law enforcement resources, all kinds of things going to the system that might not need to exist because we already have a system in place. I love it. I love it. I say just fix the systemic issues that we have. Keep the bail thing in place. They already have a way. They already have a way to deny bail if you're a flight risk. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that's one of the arguments that (laughs) already in effect. Like it doesn't make sense really to get rid of bail, but the people who are for it really want to hammer in that bail is an unfair system and that it should just be eradicated. Joe, do you happen to know if there was anything in the legislation about how often they would update the algorithm? I didn't see anything. Um, yeah, nothing that I know of. You would think that would adjust over time, right? Yeah. Whether or not that would that actually is working or not. Yeah. Or someone is even asking that question, right? Maybe yeah, that's, exactly. that's a question yeah, coming from you. To, as a t- someone has to review the data. This is one of the ones we've studied as well in another area. And someone has to, so the algorithm puts out what it puts out, but it still has to be signed off on by a human. Someone mm-hmm. has to really look at that and determine determine that. So it's not just solely computer-based. A lot of people look at what the computer says, and they do it, but I just want to just throw that out there that you, you it's not a computer that says keep them or not at the end of the day. It's a person that looks at all of the data and makes that decision. It's a human. I mean, if you if you make the laws cut and clear, and I know there's different situations, but if you know if, if you have a track record, you know, a mile long, I mean, you, you might right. be a flight risk. But if you know if, if they're saying it for you know, I remember I went into I went to court and um, I had a, um, a uh, not a uh, a driving a driving the hell a ticket a ticket for <laughs> for uh, running a red light. Uh, so I go to court and it was like my first one, right? And then they. They charged me this I was like six hundred dollars. You know, I go to court. The person that came after me, I stayed. I stayed for. I guess the, we stayed there for the whole trial. This is my first one I ever went out to. And then the girls up there, she was like, she had like driving, uh, all kinds of issues. And 
I'm saying it's a girl because it was a girl. So anyway, so she had all these issues. The judge said, how am I going to let her go after I just charged this guy $600 for his, and it was his first time offense. I'm like, they can't have that. You, you know, does that make sense? You can't, the law has to be the same for everybody. It doesn't matter if you, you know, and I, and again, I get it that there, there may be certain situations, but if I shot somebody, somebody else shot somebody, we're going to do the same time. We're going to have the same, the same deal. You get the same consequence, no matter what. Um, and I know those are more serious, but you know, if, if you run a red light, you run, I mean, it has to be, it has, it has to be consistent. I, I, I don't know. You know, and if you have issues with paying it, then make a payment plan. Like, you know, everyone should be on the same system and it shouldn't be different. That's what's going to, in my mind, stop the systemic issues that people are seeing. It has to be the same across the board. Decent point. Decent point. Eric, while you are talking, I want to I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up these questions that are popping up and I, I don't want to skip over them. So uh, Marvin Stark asked this question in regards to like Proposition 21. Um, hard to manage money if you unexpectedly lose your job. COVID people have lost jobs, so can't afford to pay higher rents. Before COVID, they might have been in a good place. What are, you, what are your thoughts in terms of that? Again, again, and, I, and, I, and it's bad. It's a bad situation. But um, and you know, and there are times that I've been in that situation where I'm like, oh man, you know, something happened. You lose your job in, in my younger years. But as I got older, I learned. I don't know if anybody else goes through this. You have to save like six to eight months of your salary and to, to already provision. So if you're taught to learn about emergencies ahead of time, then you don't get really caught up. And, I, and again, I, I get it. Sometimes it doesn't help for everyone or some, you know, some, like I said, I, I don't think I'm more fortunate than anyone else in, in a situation because I've been in, I've been there where I, I'm like, Oh, you know, um, I, you know, I didn't have money too. I was single. When I got married, I had a responsibility to my children to make sure that I'm keeping six to eight months rent there, you know, or, or whatever, salad, my salary, six to eight months, so that I don't run into that situation. Again, it's a, in my mind, it's a money management issue. Issue. I get it. It happens. I, I understand COVID happened unexpectedly, but that's why you have to plan for the unexpected. Guess what? They have, they have, there's insurances that you can get now, now insurances, you know, and I'm not trying to, pitch a pitch any deals that can help you in the long run, you know, like life insurance, like you got your IULs you know, you can, where you can have a, a, a accumulating funds that'll help you in the long run when, when situations happen like that. No one knows about that. No one, you know, well, I'll, I'll take that back. The top 1% or top whatever percent, they know about it. No one down here knows about it. No one, the working class don't know about it. You have, there's, like I said, education. Well, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. Anybody have anything that they want to add in? <laughs> and, 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 and hold up before I go for I transition because it's, it's happening, brother. You 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 getting it from you getting it from the left, which is good, right? I, I mean, yeah, these yeah. are the kinds of conversations that we need to have. So, interesting question. But in here, my mind, right? it's like this is this that, this situation. I know she said it's more complicated now, but this is like the chicken or the egg. This is that conversation, the chicken or the egg, because yeah, it can be complicated. But managing your money is—it's all about managing your money. It's all about setting yourself up for emergencies. I, I get it, and then sometimes emergencies can come after emergencies, but at least one of them gets taken care of, right? I know. Anyway, like I said, chicken or the egg. This is. 
and Jim's gonna be hard on me on this one. So I'll leave this You can take that offline. Yeah, she's gonna get I'll film it too. She's gonna I've, I've been in both situations. I've been in situations yeah. like that, and now we're in COVID, right? And then you you have to plan, you know. So I do want to say I agree that you need to manage your money, but I do think being able to do that is a privilege. Like not everyone has enough money to set aside every month to prepare for an emergency. Like my mom was saying, like people are barely scraping by with what they're getting because they physically cannot make any more money. So saving from they don't know how to use their money. They don't know how to make use their money to make money. And I, I apologize. I, I shouldn't have cut you off, but like, I was going to lose my train yeah, of thought. I, that, 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 that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what, what's see, you're, oh, you see, now it's Joe and Jen against me all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have the Hicks, the Hicks girls are on me now. Yeah. Knock you down, boy. Knock you down. But, but what I'm saying is, you guys, you guys know me the longest, right? So uh, I've been in situations where I had a roommate with Jen, James. I told myself I would never have myself in that situation. I had to educate myself about money. After that, Oh, sorry, Jen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll in my mind, I think of education it. only because of the fact that I was there. And once I put myself in it, it could be life experience. I don't know. But I educated myself on how to make sure I never get in that situation again. And I appreciate you guys being there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I, I think that sums up a lot, right? Because, again, we talked about some more controversial than others topics today, right? And I wouldn't even say controversial, but I'll, I'll just say that more, more, more polarized, right? In terms of either your, your experiences and, and what you're, what you're, what you're going through. I, I can't help but laugh at some of these comments that are coming in. It's like, I got to post them. I can't keep this great, great face. Uh, so, you, you, so you've gotten it from, <laughs> from the, the, the mother, the daughter, the grandfather. Yeah. Uh, it's a family affair. Pastor, they gonna he he gonna need you in the middle to to, to get him, Pastor, because uh, other than that, it's just it's all bad. It's all bad. So I need to go. To, I need to go to confession, uh, Pastor. We're gonna have to. No, no, they're, they, they're members. So I gotta be with them. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 no, yeah, yeah. He he gonna hit you upside the head with one them one them candlesticks. Is you know yeah. what he gonna do up at the front of the church? Oh, they go, Grandma. All right, oh, let me, I got all sides. So, folks watching, thank you for your engagement. Thank you for your interaction. I'm, I think all we were really trying to do, and I think we, I think we've done a decent job of opening the door of conversation. Uh, I'll go back to kind of how I started. You got this book for your county, for your location. Please don't, don't, don't discard it. Please, please read it. Uh, we just went. Through, we didn't even go over all of the propositions. There were a couple of others that were, uh, at least in this particular area, for me that I need to be, be aware of. There is information in regards to some different measures. And then there are, of course, the big ticket items that are from a um, from a national perspective. Again, left, right, center, red, yellow, blue, green. I right now doesn't matter. I just want everyone to get out there and not squander this opportunity of pulling that lever behind the curtain, getting that sticker saying that I help contribute to a better, uh, better society and a better that's what matters, right? Because then after after the election, then we can have conversations. If you if you contributed, if you did not contribute, I don't hear from you, right? I, right? I don't want the armchair quarterbacks talking to me about well, we should have pivoted left and we should have thrown a, a slant instead of no, 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 I don't, don't hear. The, the idea again is to bring up these conversations and, and have this information spread process. One other site that I did want to share, uh, since we've got mainly California folks online here, is. 
is actually the official voters guide. And this is voterguide.sos.cal.gov. And this is where all of the propositions are listed. Uh, all of the candidates for every single office, national, uh, local, uh, everybody's shown here with their background, with their information, with their, what they believe in, what they are uh, championing, things of that nature. So please take a look at that and, and, and have that information with you as you go through your due diligence of reading your uh, sample ballot. I would also recommend that, I don't know, you know, uh, up until this point, it's been great experience for me to go on election day and be in the midst. I, I, I like that energy because it's some great energy of being there. You know, the first time Jordan was voting, I asked, the ladies, could I stand behind her, take a picture of her? So I captured that moment of her pulling the lever, doing doing the thing for her very first time. World's different right now. We got COVID. We got to wear our masks. We got to wash our hands. We got to do these things. You, you, I don't. You may not want to do it, but you got to do it because next thing you know, you're going to get the coughing and you're going to have a bad time. And it is what it is. If for the folks on the panel, have you voted yet? Let me ask you that. And if you have not voted yet, do you plan on going in person? I'm going to go backwards from the folks that presented, and I'll start with you, Pastor Isaac. Uh, I have my ballot. I normally take it into the polling place. Uh, My church happens to be a polling place, so I enjoy walking it in. But just in case I can't get it in, I have it and I put it in my mailbox. On you, Clark. Yeah, I plan on, um, as tradition, I usually plan on, as you mentioned, I like the energy of going down to the to the booth, you know, put, uh, filling out the ballot and putting it in the box. So, fully plan on doing that, uh, you know, this year as well. You, you just want the sticker so you can have a little nice little Instagram post. That, that, that's what you want, to do, yeah, right? You, you know, it's, it, you got to do it for the gram, brother. That's that's what it is, you know. <laughs> you know me well. <laughs> that's it, sir. Kyle, what about you, sir? I've I've always voted in person. Uh, this year, I am I am going to. I have a. We, we all got a mail ballot in California. Yep. Is that yeah. California? Is that Foster County? That's all of us, right? So we all have it. You can take it in person, right? I'm going to probably take mine physically to a box. One of the boxes mm-hmm. listed, and then I'm going to do the tracking because I just I believe that we. I believe that we have a very good system for tracking, whether you mail it in, whether you go in person, I, I believe that this system will work, but I'm probably going to go drop it off directly to one of the, like Santucci Center. You, for you, you well. bring up something critical that I don't want to gloss over. I don't want to forget about as well. And then I'll, I'll go and ask you D, but ballot boxes, official ballot boxes mm-hmm. on the lookout for the ones that sure. are out there. That there's, there's some folks that are, that are, you know, getting some milk crates and some plastic cartons and, and they're putting them out there on the corner. Folks are, unfortunately, it's happened and it's going to continue to happen. They're going to drop their ballot in there. It's not going to get counted because it's it's an unofficial ballot box. Be cognizant of that particular activity that's happening out there as well. Suppressing a vote from a whole different perspective. Right? We, we, we've seen it from, from a whole, from, from many other avenues as well, but this is something different. Right, people out there taking that conscious energy of creating a fake ballot 
drop-off location, putting out there on the, on the corner and having folks put their information in there. That, that's there's something really wrong in terms of the, the person who would, again, consciously think to set something up like that. Mm-hmm. So just, just again, be, be aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dion, what about you? Yeah, so I have not voted yet. I will be voting on the third. Um, I am going to go in person. I want to. I want to experience that as well. That energy, being around people, it'll be interesting. Obviously, with all that's going on, but um, to be around other people that are a little bit charged right now, or whatever type of charge they have going on, I think is going to be an experience in itself. And we've experienced a lot in 2020. So why not just add that one to the list? <laughs> I love it. Eric Burks, talk to us, man. You, you already oh, throwing yours in the box, or, or are you still- uh, throw mine in the box? Okay, in now, the you're, box. Not going, you're not going there in person, huh? okay? Uh, I mean, I've gone in person. I mean, I, I've I've also been used to mail-in ballots too. So, in in the military, when I was overseas, we had the had the mail-in ballot. Yeah. So, uh, I'm used to mail-in ballot. I, I trust the system, just like Kyle said. I, I've never used a tracking, so I'm going to use a tracking though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's critical, right? That's something again, new yeah. t- sign of the times. So yeah. we, we now have this advanced technology, which could be a question for for you, Lance, right? In ter- you know, from a pri- privacy perspective, is that something that, that you want? Because you you know you got to fill something out. You know, I don't already, know. Sign it up for that. Well, see, there you go, right? I mean, that's that's the other side of the coin. Yeah, you want to make sure your ballot your your ballot is counted, but there are consequences, pros and cons of every action that you do. So, I'll leave it at that. Hey, James, I gotta say this. You said a person uh, is putting these bodies out. It is is a party. What's unfortunate is that is the state party, not a person (laughs) that's putting those boxes out. And they have refused to comply with the injunction. Mm, mm, mm. True, true. One of the... Keep, keep me honest there. Keep me plain. Make, make it plain there. Like the pastor said, make it plain there. So, but correct <laughs> uh, me whenever I need to be corrected. I love that. Thank you, sir. So I haven't voted yet, James, because I needed to watch this show first. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be an extra twenty in your PayPal account in the, in the No, for real though. I, I I did set it aside. It's over there on my shelf. I'm. Uh, I, I wanted to hear some of the discussion today. Maybe it'll influence my vote. Maybe it won't. Probably will. Um, That's what I just did. <laughs> so you see me raise miles, like pulling them out as we're talking. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, I, I but I'm going to take it and drop it off. I, I like going to, in person to vote. I'm going to miss that this year. Yeah, <laughs> my thing, and I will track it online. Although I, honestly, I don't remember signing up for anything like that. But I'm sure it was in the fine print that I did not read that time. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jordan, what about you? So I really want to vote in person, but I feel like it's just going to be such a mess with all the people and COVID and stuff. Um, so I'm going to fill out the mail-in ballot to drop off at the polling place because it's right there by our house. Um, but if the lines aren't too bad and it looks okay, I would much rather vote in person and actually fill out the form there. And there are a number of official drop-off locations that are going to be opening up, I think starting October the 30th or the 31st, where there will be locations open practically all day, uh, right from nine to five, where you can actually go there and physically turn it in before November 3rd. Because I plan on doing that exact same thing, right? Actually taking mine, dropping it off, 
getting my sticker so I can get my little Instagram shot and saying that I did my, yeah, I, I did my thing because I'm proud of that. Um, the, my recommendation to folks, if you haven't yet, if you go on November 3rd, be prepared, be ready for probable long lines. I, I, I'm not even going to say if there's going to be any contention or if there's going to be issues at the polling places, but just be prepared for the unexpected. Be prepared for not just be able to go in there, show your ID, and be able to go in there and fill out the scan truck. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time. Maybe bring yourself a peanut butter jelly sandwich or something cause, and a power bar and, and be ready to stand in line for a little bit just in case it takes a bit of time to get that. So. Anybody have anything in, in closing that they want to bring up? Uh, this, this has been an awesome session, and, and I'm just I'm kind of over the moon on this. So uh, I'm... I'm This was awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks for putting us together. It was cool. Yeah, it was you. nice meeting you guys. Thank you, James. You too. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Awesome. So, folks, again, thank you very much for your, your time to the panel here. I got none but winners right here. Uh, I get to know these folks. Again, when I do these show notes, I'll have all those links to those sites so you have access to that information. Be diligent in terms of what you need to do, folks. Get out there. Make sure you vote on November 3rd Make sure, or before. Make sure that you have fully filled out all of the information that needs to be filled out. If you make a mistake, uh, put your initials on there and get it right. If you need an, a, a new ballot because you've made a mistake, uh, take care of that as well. Leave, leave nothing to chance that your voice doesn't get heard. And, you know, with that, the idea of ITN Live and perspectives and focus is to have long-form informative uh, conversations. I think we really did that today. So I say thank you to all and have a great day. Stay safe. Thanks, guys.